The Audible's NFL Football Podcast is brought to you by the SeatGeek app, the easiest way to find a great deal. Pay for your ticket and get to your seat. Download the SeatGeek app and enter our code AUDIBLES for $20 off your first purchase. We're also sponsored by FanDuel, the leader in one-week fantasy football with more winners and more payouts than any other site. Enter promo code NFLPODCAST at FanDuel.com for a bonus match of up to $200. And then they literally, well, not literally, figuratively dropped it in your lap. Uh, say, hey, Doug, write about this for a little while. This is going to be... Yeah, I'm glad, they did. I'm glad they didn't literally drop it in my lap. That would yeah. have been uncomfortable. That would have made some headlines as, t- uh, as well. <laughs> That's also illegal betting. That's illegal. Hey, now. What is happening, everyone? This is the Sports Illustrated Audible's football podcast. I'm your host, John DePietro, and I'll be joined shortly by SI.com's resident NFL experts, Chris Burke and Doug Farrar. This week, the guys and I discuss Punchgate, Batgate, the debacle from Monday Night Football... The ongoing struggles of NFL kickers, the Kansas City Chiefs woes, the Miami Dolphins situation, the Seattle Seahawks quest to win another NFC West title, and more, all on this edition of the Sports Illustrated Audible's football podcast. Chris Burke, Doug Farrar, it is now Tuesday morning as we tape, as we record the Sports Illustrated Audible's podcast. Uh, interesting Monday night game, to say the least. Uh, Doug, you were there. What did you see? What happened? Well, uh, what happened was what usually happens when I go to CenturyLink Field is something weird happens. Basically, near the end of the game, as you might have seen, John, uh, Calvin Johnson was near a game-winning touchdown. Cam Chancellor, the Seahawks safety, came along and batted the ball out of his hands. K.J. Wright had an illegal bat before the ball went out of the end zone. And the back judge, who was in perfect position and had his eye on the play the whole time, Started to pull out his flag, but then didn't. And uh, basically, Seahawks got away with one because that should have been an illegal bat penalty on the Seahawks. Um, It's a spot foul, and the Lions should have had first and goal from the Seahawks' one-yard line. Basically, four chances to punch it in down 13-10. Figuring they probably would have done it, though their run game isn't that good. Uh, Then again, you know, people thought that the Seahawks would have punched it in from the one at the Super Bowl, so you Mm -hmm. never know. But basically, the Lions moved to 0-4 on the season in small part because of a bad call. But this is, it's also kind of a broken team, especially on offense. But uh, yeah, that's what happened at the Clink last night. Uh, and I'm as a writer, I'm kind of interested, <laughs> kind of grateful that something like that happened because uh, to that point, I was struggling to find my lead. It was a sloppy game on both sides. And then they literally, well, not literally, figuratively dropped it in your lap. Uh, say, hey, Doug, write about this for a little while. This is going to be. Yeah, I'm glad, they did. I'm glad they didn't literally drop it in my lap. That would have yeah. been uncomfortable. That would have made some headlines as, t- uh, as well. Uh, yeah. So, Chris, you were watching, I'm sure. <laughs> That's also illegal betting. That's illegal. Hey, now. Uh, I would think so. Uh, this is a family show, Burke. <laughs> <laughs> He's always got to work blue, that Chris Burke. Uh-huh. Um, but, Chris, you were not there. What did you see from uh, your angle there on your couch? Yeah, I mean, what Doug said, I think that the thing that, as he mentioned, you don't want to overlook, uh, I think you don't want to overlook what had happened to that point. I mean, the Seahawks certainly have a ton of issues themselves, and Russell Wilson, a couple turnovers that really kept the Lions in the game, let them back into it when it seemed Seattle had it in control. 
I mean, Calvin Johnson, to his credit, took manned up when the game was over, you know, said, don't forget about the refs. I blew it. I shouldn't have fumbled. And I, I think he, I mean, he's right. You've, you've yeah. got to give him credit for saying that. But this is a guy that's been a superstar in this league for a long time. Uh, you almost feel for him to some extent because he's been on terrible teams, had a chance to, you know, probably win a game on Monday night, maybe turn his team season around. And, and instead, this is what we're talking about because he didn't take care of the football. But yeah, uh, a crazy finish. I mean, <laughs> another to add to the Lions long list of heartbreaking finishes and another to add to the infamy of that end zone which is the same spot mm. that the fail Mary occurred and I think is the same spot that Tony Romo's botched snap in the playoffs occurred. I know for a fact I can confirm that it was the same spot in the end zone where the fail Mary occurred because I was on the field for that one. What about the Tony Romo? Do you, uh, do you have any... Uh... Uh, I'm not exactly sure. That would be amazing. Zone. That would be unbelievable. That'd be awesome, actually. But it was right about where the fail Mary happened. And the, the sad thing is, I mean, I, I, I just watched the play again. K.J. Wright didn't need to bat the ball out of the end zone. No, it not at all. Anyway. Yeah. And it really, it obliterated the fact that Cam Chancellor made an unbelievable play on that. Incredible, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, if, and if they don't, if he doesn't bat, if they call him for batting out of the end zone, then today we're just talking about how this obscure, ridiculous rule. How can they, how the can they call that? It was going to go out of bounds anyway. I can't believe this. So one way or another, we were going to be mad. Here. There were two problems here. Number one, you have Tony Corinti, the head official, saying it wasn't my area of responsibility, and the back judge saying that it wasn't overt. When KJ Wright admitted after the game, yeah, I was doing everything I could to bat it out of the end zone. So number one, you have a crew that doesn't understand the rule, and number two. I'm going to say it again. Make everything reviewable. Yeah. Make the judgment calls reviewable. New York, Dean Blandino and the head office in New York City had to sit there and pull his hair out and say, oh, they screwed it up and there's nothing we can do about it. And again, don't, make, don't give them more challenges, but make all judgment calls reviewable. If Jim Caldwell wanted to throw a flag there, a challenge flag, he should have been able to. So, Doug, that's actually, that's actually considered a turnover, no? Or, or not? Well, it, that's a gray area and because technically it's a touchback and had K.J. Wright uh, recovered the ball, then it, I guess, would have been reviewable. It was under two minutes and all that. But, you know, again, they got to take these judgment calls. And I know Mike Pereira has been a supporter of this for a long time. You know, let, let the refs be the refs and people talk about the human factor. You know this. I, I don't. A, I agree. I, I agree to some some extent about the human factor in football and baseball and all that. But when the, the umpires or the referees, they don't know the rules. You know what I mean? If, if that that that's inexcusable, and that's not really the human element element. Well, not, there's the not human knowing element, what, and there's the dumb human. Right, element. not knowing. I think that's what we got last. <laughs> yeah. It's a, well, the other thing. I mean, this, this is also talking about the rule book and how kind of convoluted it gets and how maybe the refs themselves don't even know it uh, and the review factor of this is that they can't they could and i assumed someone in the booth and in new york did review whether calvin johnson made it to the goal line because that's part of the that's part of what's reviewable but then the second half of that play kj Wright batting the ball out of the end zone isn't reviewable so not only are we sort of limiting what is and is not reviewable we're drawing that line in the middle of a play I mean, if you're going to review one aspect of a play you should be able to review the whole thing so yeah I think and again this is we've seen 
calls with the Lions sort of lead to reevaluation of rules later. And I think even last night uh, there was some talk that eventually they, you know, this could be the thing that spearheads expanding replay and expanding what can and can't be reviewed because, it, yeah, I agree. It's ridiculous that you could look at certain parts of a play but not other aspects of it. Yeah, we'll get to uh, NFL, see if they're going to do anything about this in the future a little bit later. But let's start with uh, – actually, I just want to go back to Calvin Johnson because you it just – you know, you talked about his superstar status. He's been there forever, and he's just had this terrible luck with this bad team. He's kind of like uh, this decade's, this generation's Barry Sanders. You know what I mean? It's just like this great talent that just just stuck on this bad, bad team and uh, bad luck. It's just then they can't get over the hump uh, any year, it seems like. Well, like last night, he had Kerry Williams beat on, I think, two deep boundary routes and Matt Stafford overthrew him both times. I mean, that's probably 100 extra yards. And that, I, you know, Chris, you're, you know, you're, closer to that organization than I am, um, it does, you know, they, they don't seem to have an offensive identity. And that's that's something that's surprising given Jim Caldwell's status as an alleged offensive guru. You know, Joe Lombardi comes from the Saints organization, and you start to wonder if they've been sold a bill of goods. Yeah, I mean, Golden Tate talked about it after the game last night. He wouldn't, he didn't explicitly say the play calling's terrible, but you could re- read between the lines and sense the frustration, and it's understandable because you look at the weapons there, and it's Calvin Johnson, Tate, Amir Abdullah, Eric Ebron's. I get, he got hurt, unfortunately, Monday night, but it started to develop into a legitimate weapon, a legitimate pass catcher for them. I mean, there's enough players there that they should be able to do more than what they've done so far. And uh, again, yeah, I mean, at some point you do start to feel, I think, a little for Calvin Johnson because he's been one of the best players if not the best player at his position for a a long stretch here. And he has to be frustrated looking around the league. He's not the player he was right. a, a few years ago. He's older now. He's been hit with some injuries the past couple of seasons. But, you know, he has to look at what Atlanta does with Julio Johnson and how New York uses Odell Beckham and, you know, these teams that have, quote-unquote, elite wide receivers what and team feed does Julio them the Johnson football. Play for? And he's sitting there, you know. He's sitting there just just sort of as a decoy while they throw to Tim Wright. Right. Of course, you mean Julio Jones in, in Atlanta. But um, what, what did I say? You said Julio Johnson. He oh. must be a CFL guy, I think. <laughs> that guy's good. That guy, he, he's Julio really... Johnson. <laughs> but what about Matthew Stafford? How much more latitude can he get in Detroit? I mean, I, the first question is, who are you going to get that's better? But... You know, when when does the, the leash start to get pulled on that guy, Chris? Well, I think the tough thing, and it has always been the tough thing for Matthew Stafford, is that you see him go through these ebbs and flows. I mean, that drive, we're talking about the fumble and the call, but that drive, that was a brilliant late drive against a very good Seahawks defense. He had them, he did everything he needed to do on that drive to win the game. And, and that's the stuff you see and. Again, I think some of that goes back to play calling. You know, they opened it up. They let him attack. They went to hurry up, and you see the results. But, uh, yeah, then the overthrows of Calvin Johnson, I think he still has issues where he – the offensive line isn't very good, but I think he exacerbates that by panicking a little bit. You see him get out of the pocket before he necessarily needs to. I mean, I don't know how much longer they go with him. It's tough 
to yeah, the tough part is where do you find a replacement? I think he's their guy certainly through the end of this year. I think through next year, and then we'll see. That's that's kind of where the contract you can look at it and and see a way out if they want to go a different direction. But they don't have anything. I mean, Dan Orlovsky is their backup right now, so mm-hmm. it's not as if they're grooming someone to replace Stafford. And we certainly know how tough it is to find a quarterback if you don't have one in house. So I, I don't think they're in any rush to get rid of him, but yeah, I mean, the criticisms of him aren't going away. Which thing is one of the reasons they hired Jim Caldwell in the first place. And Jim Caldwell talked about this a lot when he got the job was they're going to iron out the more idiosyncratic parts of Matthew Stafford's game. And he's always been that guy. He'll, you know, run out of the pocket, throw from all these weird angles, make these throws that can be either exasperating or totally brilliant and Kahlo was supposed to be the guy to sort of keep that in check and, and you know, shave off the edges a little bit. And I, and I don't know if it's called, it's probably, it's more Lombardi than Caldwell, but that passing game now is so reductive. I mean, I can't count the number of times from the press box. I saw Stafford cock his arm to throw deep and then he'd just, he'd bring it down and he had a fairly clean pocket. So I don't know what he's being told to do. I know he's doing the line checks and teams are adjusting to that by uh, doing their defensive line sets late. So maybe he's getting the protections wrong. I know, well, both offensive lines are bad, so that doesn't help um, both Detroit's and Seattle's. But I just, again, I go back to the identity, and when I look at an offense or a defense, I want to know what's the plan. I want to know what that offense or defense tells me. And when it comes to the Lions on offense, I have utterly no idea right now. I mean, they should be, I, I think, looking back at two weeks ago, the offense Denver's running now, I think, would make a lot of sense for the Lions. And I sort of looked at what Denver did with Peyton Manning, and you look at the, when they played Detroit, and uh, that a lot of the elements of that offense, I think, would make sense in Detroit. But, yeah, I agree. They just don't – they keep trying, I think, to be a run-heavy team, and they're just not capable of doing that. So it, it doesn't make – much sense for them to keep doing that and we saw that the results of it against Seattle you know fairly predictable on first and second downs and then you're in third and long and Stafford throws an incompletion and everyone says well why isn't Stafford making a play and well you know it's tough to make plays when you're in third and 11 all the time real quick before we get on to week four overreactions Chris which NFC North quarterback would you rather have right now Matt Stafford or Jay Cutler uh I guess I'd rather still have – oh, man, I don't know. I guess I'd still rather have Matt Stafford, but I don't think there's a clear distinction between the two. I mean, Stafford's younger, um, which I, I guess sort of tips the scales in his favor. I, I don't know. I don't know that – at this point, I don't know how comfortable you can be that either guy is going to get you to the ultimate goal of you know making and winning a Super Bowl. Doug, who would you rather have, Matt Stafford or your boy Jay Cutler? Teddy Bridgewater. I was going to throw him <laughs> in next time because I knew you were going to all both take uh, Teddy Bridgewater. But, uh, all right, that's that, that says what it says about Matt Stafford and Jay Cutler in the NFC North. All right, so let's get to it, our week four overreactions. Overreactions. Overreaction number one off of Monday night's debacle in Seattle. I call it Punchgate. Batgate just sounds a little stupid to me, but call it whatever you want. That's the worst call of all time. Doug, worst call of all time, bar, bar none. Mm, 
worst they, call of he's, all time. He's watching it. He's there. You can. There's pictures of the back judge staring right there as he punches. I don't the know. Ball. That's well. When I wrote up the, my game story last night, I said call it the second Calvin Johnson rule. I don't know that that call in the playoff game last year against Johnson was pretty bad. I would say, given the. Given the fact that the back judge was right there, given the fact that no one on the officiating team seemed to understand the call, and given the uh, you know the import of it, I don't know. Some of those calls in Super Bowl Forty were pretty bad. Uh, I would say it's it's certainly top five. Chris, you you you're with me, right? Worst call all time. Come on. Uh, it man, I think it's I the think worst it, call because it, it happened yesterday. Come it on. might be because there's a black and white part of the rule book that explains what should have happened there. And I think a lot of these other ones, you look at worst call and it's it's judgment. I mean, the fail Mary, uh, the Lions, the one Doug mentioned last year, the, the picked up pass interference flag in the playoff game that's certainly swung that game. Uh, a lot of these are, are judgment calls. And I guess under the NFL's guidelines, this one, technically falls under that judgment call category, which is why they couldn't review it in the first place. But it very specifically says what should have happened in that case. Penalty on the Seahawks, ball back to the Lions, first and goal. And so uh, if you're talking about uh, the worst use of the rule book by an <laughs> officiating crew, I'm not sure you'll find a more glaring example. The only more glaring example would have been if Wright had taken out a copy of the rule book and batted the ball with it out of the end zone. Worst call Ooh. of all time. All right. Then they would have flagged. They would have flagged him for using a prop. Yeah, but not that's for right. right. That's right. Fifteen yards. <laughs> Next. All right. So the NFL kicking situation is atrocious right now, and I absolutely love it. First of all, it's the best because no longer do you go up and get your soda, get your diet coke. When, after a touchdown, you've got to see if this kicker is going to make this kick because it screws up the extra point. It screws up the 40 and in field goal because these guys are thinking too much. You get weird scores. There are no more automatics. I love it. What do you guys think? I, I've kind of come around on this. I thought the extra point rule was pretty unnecessary at the start of the year and you know I for all the things that <laughs> we keep talking about NFL rules for all the things that the league needed to focus on extra points seem pretty far down the list to me but we're seeing the results and it is pretty interesting that's not a gimme free point anymore I think we're going to see more teams start to use the two-point conversion to their advantage when they get the opportunities it hasn't happened a lot yet Pittsburgh did it a few times with uh, Ben Roethlisberger but I think more teams are going to go down that that road because if anything it's just shown how few really good kickers there are I mean I think there you can count them on one maybe two hands the number of kickers that you would trust with a clutch field goal at this point let alone a, an extra point so uh, I, I didn't like it at first I I'm kind of on board now I think it's uh, it's a definitely an, another element of the game that you have to pay attention to and that teams have to you know sort of game plan for now what do you think Doug Kickers, loving it. Uh, I think you spend too much time thinking about kickers. I will say this though, Stephen. Kickers Hashka are people too. Field goals. Punters are people too. Me two field goals over fifty yards last night, so that was fairly impressive. But what about the the struggles of the kickers? Do you care? No. No. How? How do you not care? <laughs> what is? What do you mean? What do I mean? I mean I don't care about the struggles of kickers. 
but it's, you it, have a you have a kicker who can't do his one job. You try and go out and get a better kicker. But that's the point. There, where are these guys? There can't, like Chris said, they, these guys used to be great. Now they're all screwed up in the head. Now they so can't kick a field kickers, goal. Kickers used to be great. Yeah, yeah I, don't I don't know, know that that's, that's true. true what what <laughs> empirical evidence do you have to show this, Mister DePetro? The percent, I think it's just it's more the percentages, now. right? It's the obviously the present the percentages have uh, ruined these guys. If you look at that, that's the empirical evidence, Doug. The oh, really? Yeah. You, you have data on what? Well, kickers used to be better, so you have uh, field goal if percentage by, from if, different years. You have something to back this up, or are you just throwing stuff around? Look at the percentages from last year to this year. Are they up or down or the same? You, you're the one with the opinion. You tell me. They're <laughs> down. I don't the, know. What, that, you, what, do you know that, or are you just throwing stuff? I know that. I know that. You know that? Yes. Oh, what are the percentages? I don't have them with me. I'll let that stand on its own. But that's not, pro that's not proving anything. And neither are you. But I'm I, I'm I'm asking you to engage in a conversation with me. This is a podcast. You're supposed to express <laughs> I, an opinion. I mean, I think we're seeing more kickers miss what we would consider makeable kicks, right? If nothing else, which yeah, I don't know that that has anything. To, I mean, Jay Feely pitched the idea that that has to do with the extra points that they don't get the free, yeah, sort of warm up toss on the extra point anymore. Where you just get to see one go through the nets. Uh, you compared it to you know a free throw in basketball, where you you struggling guy, but you make a shot and then all of a sudden everything clicks. He, I don't know <laughs> if that's the problem. I, again, I think that goes back to just that there aren't that many good kickers. It shouldn't be that hard for a kicker to make, you know, uh, Josh Scobie in Pittsburgh to hit one of two makeable field goals, or for uh, New Orleans to to count on their guy to make a 30-yarder to win the game in regulation. I mean, these are these are pretty simple kicks for what we expect from NFL guys and uh but I don't know where the I don't know where the fix comes from. There aren't any No, not the, why, like there's there's no, a, no they're not like there's it. a it Justin should, Tucker it sitting out in be, free agency. It shouldn't be so. easy. It should be made more difficult. It shouldn't be a non-play. Well, we don't need non-plays in football. But field goals shouldn't be any more difficult than they were. Well, I think it's a confidence issue because if it gets in your head that you can't make a 30-yarder, then you say, oh, well, maybe I can't make a 35-yarder. Maybe I can't make this 40-yarder. I think there's something to that. Hauschka has said that he – this is interesting. He's a huge golfer, and he spends time visualizing what the best golfers do as far as you know confidence and, and mental performance and things like that. So I think there is some – the confidence factor in the gosh, I used to be able to make these extra points, and now I can't. You know, I, does that get in your head? I, I would guess in some cases. I guess my counter argument would be, if you're affected by the increased difficulty of extra points, maybe you should be working in an office somewhere. Right. So the you, that kicker has become more valuable. That those good kickers, those really good kickers, those the cream of the crop there. That's become a more of a value than anything else, and they're not. Obviously, there you can't just you know find them bagging groceries and just picking somebody out of, out of a hat to to kick a field goal for maybe, you. Maybe maybe you could. Maybe someone should try that. Maybe maybe Landon maybe, Donovan. Landon Donovan said he wants he, to go kick. Maybe he's, so, he's Tony Miola did it. Maybe we should give Landon Donovan a shot. That Kickalicious guy, uh, Rugland, was on Twitter saying, hey, you know, put me in, coach. I'm ready for my next opportunity. Maybe Why, he's right. Maybe. Maybe he's right. Maybe he's out there. All right. Our last overreaction for week four, the Kansas City Chiefs. They're terrible. I'm tired of watching them. Andy Reid, the whole people, everybody, Alex Smith, get them out of there. We got to rebuild. 
It's done in Kansas City. I need new blood in there right now. Chris, the Chiefs, done. I'm tired of it. I don't think they're done. I mean, I still think they're. you look at that team and there's still uh, an abundance of talent enough to make a playoff run. Um, they haven't been helped by their schedule to start. I mean, they got the win in Houston, but then they went Denver at Green Bay at Cincinnati. That's even to go one and two in that stretch would have been difficult. They obviously went 0 and three and didn't look very good doing it the last uh, couple weeks, but I don't think you can bury them based on that stretch. I think they're going to get better. They come home to play Chicago. Now three of their next four at home. I mean, I, I still think that we're talking about the chiefs in the playoff race at the end of the year. So I don't think, I, I don't think you blow it up. I think if they miss the playoffs, again, Andy Reid's going to have to answer for it one way or another. I don't know that it'll be him, but I think we might be looking at some sort of shift there, be it at coach or quarterback, something rather dramatic at the end of the year if they fall short again. I think something's – I watched a, a fair amount of Chiefs tape on offense, and I think something's happened – with the coaching staff's confidence in Alex Smith, because I and mean, everyone's talking about how Kaepernick has regressed and fallen off a cliff, and that's true. But when I watch Alex Smith now, I don't see a confident field reader. I see a guy who, I mean, he's never thrown deep. But it, it's kind of like what I was saying about the Lions passing game, how it's reductive. The Chiefs passing game seems the same way. And Andy Reid at this point appears to be playing possession ball. Like if we can just hold on to the ball – but there are no explosive plays. They're basically, I mean, without Jamal Charles, I don't know what they do. And it seems to me that Alex Smith has regressed as well. And with Alex Smith, it was a pretty low bar anyway. I mean, if he's not a game manager, there's nothing to him because he doesn't have the physical attributes to really transcend that sort of normal status. And I, th I think there is a disconnect between the coaching staff, and the passing game on the field. And in that case, generally speaking, someone's got to go. Or something's got to change. Bonus overreaction. San Francisco 49ers are the worst team in the NFL. Colin Kaepernick is the worst quarterback in the NFL. I can't watch this anymore, Doug. Mm, I would say worst team in the NFL? They're close. Uh, worst quarterback right now? Probably, yeah. All right, Doug, you're on my side. I love it. Chris, come on, make it three for three. Uh, I don't know if I can go with you <laughs> on that one. But uh, he's he's certainly regressed as much as any quarterback. Or, or maybe I should rephrase that. I don't know that he's necessarily significantly worse as a quarterback than he was. I think it's a lot harder for this team to mask the things he can't do. I think the coaching mm. staff was better before, obviously. I mean, I don't think there's any question the coaching staff was better. Uh, the run game was better, offensive line. The, I mean, everything around him was better. So they were able to, I think, craft a scheme that made more sense, that limited the number of mistakes he made. You know, I, I just don't – it's tough. You really can't see any future for him. It looks – it's starting to look very similar to what happened with, with RG3 in Washington. It's hard to see any future for him there because of how quickly things have crumbled. That's a really good point. I remember talking to Greg Roman when he was in San Francisco about how they, you know, he went and talked to Chris Alton, Nevada, who was Kaepernick's college coach, about how the pistol worked, how the offense worked, what were the best ways to get Kaepernick involved. They took that year and a half, and it was really – 
you know, melding your scheme to your players, which, hey, maybe more coaches should try that. And then you look at what, um, you know, everyone's like, oh, look what Harbaugh's doing in Michigan. I say, look what Greg Roman's doing with Tyrod Taylor in Buffalo. I think that's all you need to see right there. And Jeep Christ, who, you know, nice guy, I'm sure, but he had been, he spent the last two years in broadcasting in North Carolina. What are they doing? What are they doing? I don't know, but I know what you guys are doing. You guys are killing it. You guys are killing it. You guys are the best, and that's not an overreaction, but that was our week four overreactions. Overreactions. We'll be right back with this week's true or false, our cliche generic football term segment, right after this very special word from our sponsors. All right, the SeatGeek app. Where is it? What do I have here? All right, here it is. I got it. There are some awesome matchups in the NFL in Week 5 this week, including a headline game between the reigning, defending, world champion, New England Patriots against the Dallas Cowboys in Arlington, Texas. Who wouldn't want to be there in person for that game? It's going to be great. Tom Brady versus... Uh, Brandon Whedon, I guess. Uh, maybe it's not so headline-y, but it's still a great game. You gotta go to Jerry's World if you've ever been there anyway. It's amazing. But anywho, if you've only watched the NFL on TV, make sure this is the year you go see a game and do it with the SeatGeek app. Why, you ask? Because they're giving our listeners, Sports Illustrated, Audible's podcast listeners, you out there listening to me right now, $20 when you use the code AUDIBLES. That's right, a $20 check with your name on it. There's no catch. Here's how it works. You download the SeatGeek app on your iPhone or Android. It's free and it takes less than a minute to download. Then you search for your event, find the deal you want, and enter our code AUDIBLES. And when you complete your purchase, SeatGeek app will send you a $20 check to your house. That's where you live. They know, You don't have to do anything except that. Just go ticket, buy tickets, and they're going to send you 20 bucks. Even if you pick a seat that's less than $20, they'll still give you full check. They'll still give you $20. If your seat, if, if your ticket is $5, they're going to send you $20. It's amazing. You got you to do it. That means SeatGeek is paying you to use their service. It's amazing. It's like you're an employee for a minute. Everyone in the Panoply offices is loving the SeatGeek app, and here's why. SeatGeek pulls in ticket options from hundreds of sellers online and shows you the best deals automatically when you shop SeatGeek. You're seeing virtually every ticket option available for that game, all on one page. No need to go anywhere else. They also have this cool feature called Deal Score. It ranks every ticket on the market with a value score and plots the best deals on a color-coded map of the venue. SeatGeek makes it easy to crack the code of the best ticket values. Finally, SeatGeek's mobile app makes the ticket-buying process seamless, easy, and safe. On SeatGeek, you can store your credit card, and once you find a ticket you want to buy, you can make the purchase with two quick taps of the phone. There's no faster way to buy tickets. Faster is written in italics, so you know they mean it to redeem your promo code and get your $20 check. Download the free SeatGeek app today. Enter promo code AUDIBLES. SeatGeek will then send you $20 once you've made your first SeatGeek purchase. If you want to go see the NFL, college football, or the best concerts, use the SeatGeek app and enter our code AUDIBLES to save $20. All right, we are back. This is the Sports Illustrated Audible's Football Podcast. I'm your host, John DePietro, here with Chris Burke and Doug Farrar. And guys, let's get to it. The Cliché Generic Football Term segment. The Cliché Generic Football 
short-term segment. This week we're going to go with a true or false game. True or false. All right, let's start with you, Doug. True or false, the Dolphins will turn it around under Dan Campbell and finish with at least a 500 record. False. Where, where, where was this guy this whole time? The Dolphins' website is, oh, he's the toughness we need. He's the this. He's the that. He used to work for Bill Parcells. Like We're going to the he used to work for Bill, Bill Parcells. After all, the he used to work for Bill Belichick. So that's worked out most of the time. I mean, I... I think this is a fundamentally broken organization. I think it starts at the top. I've heard that Stephen Ross had a lot of, uh, you know, ex-coaches and ex-GMs in his ear, and I think there are just too many cooks here. I don't know. I mean, I I thought that Joe Philbin should have been fired when he said he didn't know what was going on with the bullying scandal. He shouldn't have been the coach this year, and they've put themselves in an impossible position to find someone in season, but. How does the def- how does the defensive coordinator still have a job when he's asking Sue to two gap and he's got you know their their line is just ridiculous right now? I think this year they're going to be lucky to go five hundred, and if they're smart in the off season, they're going to rethink the way they do things. Uh, I don't see them as a five hundred team, and it's pretty disappointing because I was high on them coming into this year. I thought this was a chance for them to really. Maybe not necessarily push the Patriots. I, I didn't think they were there, but certainly in the wild card race. And, you know, the way they looked, the, and then just a kind of a cursory glance at their schedule, I think you got to assume that they're kind of in the 5 and 11 range at the moment, the way they've been playing. So, uh, yeah, I mean, Dan Campbell, <laughs> it was an impressive press conference for an interim coach. He was fiery, certainly, you know, made it sound like Joe Philbin had let these guys get soft, but. He's a muscular fella. Interim coaches stepping in in the middle of the year, you know, that's that's a pretty tough haul. And as Doug said, I think they still have questions. I mean, defensive coordinator, I think offensive coordinator, that offense should be better than it has been. They, you know, Ryan Tannehill, we talk about quarterbacks not progressing. Ryan Tannehill had been progressing until this year, and now they sort of hit a wall in all facets. The run games disappeared. I mean, this is a team that had more issues than just not playing hard on Sundays. I think that's way oversimplifying it. Well, let's get tougher. Let's have harder practices. Uh, okay, but you know, we you've got to figure out why the schemes aren't working to the personnel. What's going on in the front office? I mean, unfortunately for them, I think they've kind of waved the white flag on this year, and uh, this is now looking ahead to 2016 and trying to figure out how you avoid this happening again. Doug. True or false, your Seattle Seahawks will win the NFC West. Now, they're not my Seattle Seahawks, and I don't think they'll win the NFC West because, and of course, this is always, I have to do the disclaimer, if Carson Palmer stays healthy, the Arizona Cardinals are going to be one of the three best teams in football. Uh, This year, I think they'll get into the playoffs as a wild card. They'll probably get as far as the divisional round, and that'll be it for them. And they really need to look at their philosophy of we're going to take defensive linemen because they're better athletes and move them to the offensive line. It's not working. That is the worst offensive line in football, and I'm not sure second place is even close. I think that's false. And I think it's because, yeah, of the the line. They go to Cincinnati this week. They have Carolina. They still play Arizona twice. I mean, I just don't see how they're going to beat these teams. Obviously, their defense is – great it's outstanding especially with everyone there but I just don't see how they're going to put up enough points to get past some of these teams that have 
really good defensive lines, really aggressive schemes. I mean, they can't pick up blitzes. We saw it wasn't just the Lions have some talent up front, but it wasn't like it was just Ziggy Ansa dominating all night or, you know, Haloti Nada pushing them inside. Every single guy on that offensive line had issues at one point or another. Uh, so, I, you know, Marshawn Lynch being out of the lineup certainly changed things for them against Detroit and will help when they get him back. But I just don't see that offensive line being good enough to make this, you know, a 12-13 win team. And I think Arizona, even with their loss to St. Louis, is – you know, I think you can look at them as being in that range. I think they're good enough to win 12 games this year. Their left guard got beaten by a cornerback on one play. I don't even know what to say about that. Never seen that before. No, that's a rare. That's a rarity. Yeah, that's a rarity. <laughs> it doesn't usually happen. <laughs> when you outweigh a man by 90 pounds, you should be able to block him. You're a, you're you're a tough crowd there. All right. Yeah. I guess. Last, true or false, the NFL will do something about its rule changes after Batgate, Punchgate, uh, blah, blah, blah. They'll do something regarding the rule changes, Chris. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think that's that's true. I think that, as I mentioned earlier, I think they'll go back and reevaluate how much can be reviewed and when teams can call for reviews and all that. It's something that's they've been kind of trending towards opening it up more and uh, this is just another spot where it's obvious that they need to do so. so the, the NFL has been really in all phases very reactive on everything as opposed to being proactive, and this is you – know, I think we're going to see that play out again here where something happens that kind of screws up <laughs> screws up a game in a big way, and then they say, oh, well, okay, we should probably take a look at that, and then the next season it changes. And so I, I think that's – that's going to be the case again. False, 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 false. Every year, Bill Belichick goes to the competent, the owners' meetings in the spring. Every year, he proposes that all the judgment calls be reviewable. And every year, Jeff Fisher and Rich McKay say, we don't really see the need for that. Then it's going to happen again and again and again. And it is, you'd want the commissioner to step in, but it's this commissioner, point A. And point B, uh, you know, they... I think the NFL looks at it more, it's less our product is damaged and B, well, look what everyone's been talking about. And it, this, is, this is what everyone's been talking about. So um, I, I don't think the NFL sees any great imperative to get its officiating system in check. And I'm not blaming the officials here, by the way. Nobody could call this game all the way on the field as it's going as fast and as aggressive as it is. Should the NFL do this? Yes. Will they? No. Not going to happen. And that is our cliche generic football term segment for this week. True or false? The cliche generic football term segment. All right. We'll be right back after this word from our sponsors with at end of the day. And we'll be right back. Yes, FanDuel. I love FanDuel. You know who else loves FanDuel? Chris Burke and Doug Farrar. They enter like 50 teams every week. It's annoying. They can't stop talking about it. But nonetheless, let me ask you a question. How's your fantasy football team doing? You know, the one you drafted way back in August? If that single question inspires shame and self-loathing, have no fear. You don't need to abide your dumpster fire of a fantasy football team for another day. You can start totally fresh with FanDuel and do it with up to $200 in bonus cash when you enter our code NFLPODCAST. In case you're a troll living under a rock... 
Not a troll on Twitter, just a troll with long hair, I guess, and uh, big meaty fists. You've probably heard of FanDuel before. If you've ever wanted to try FanDuel but didn't really know how, here's what it's all about, people. FanDuel is the leader in one-week fantasy football. With more winners and more payouts than any other site, they will pay out over $75 million a week this football season. Look, we all have fantasy football, but a lot of fans miss out just because the whole season is just too much of a time commitment or their players get injured or what have you. They lose interest in their teams. It's just too much. FanDuel does away with all of that frustration. You can draft the team anytime. You can drop into tournaments for weekly cash prizes. Entry fees start at just a buck. So there's a league for everybody out there. Over a million players have won money playing fantasy football on FanDuel. Now it's your turn. You got to get some of that cash. Go to FanDuel.com and click on the microphone in the upper hand, right-hand corner. Use the code NFL Podcast and sign up now. Oh, by the way, there's a special offer for new users. For every dollar you deposit, FanDuel will match it with up to 200 bucks. That gets earned as you play. That's a bonus of up to $200. That offer is only good for the first 50 people that use the code NFL Podcast today. So don't get left out. You better hurry to FanDuel and enter that code because it's going to it's going to go out like like you hear that? Like that. Don't forget to use the code NFL Podcast. FanDuel where every day is a new season. That's F A N D U E L.com. Try it out today. Thanks for sticking with us. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for downloading the Sports Illustrated Audible's Football Podcast. I'm John DePietro here at Chris Burke and Doug Farrar. And guys, right before we get to at the end of the day, we have one very important question from an at, let me see, what is this? At Don Banks. He wants to know, how do the three of us still have jobs? Um... I'll let you answer that one first, Chris. Uh, I I don't have an answer. I mean, I'm just here. If they want to <laughs> come to work every day, I'm a I'm a lunch lunch pail guy, man. <laughs> if they want to replace me, <laughs> uh, I don't. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's get to it. At the end of the day, Chris. Uh, at the end of the day, I think we're going to have a little shakeup in week five in the AFC West, because I think the Raiders might pull off an upset of the Broncos. Uh, and I think the Chargers, the Chargers have a big game on Monday night against Pittsburgh. And I think that that's certainly a, a winnable game for them. The Chiefs get the Bears at home. They should win that game. I, I circle that Broncos-Denver game, or Broncos-Oakland game, because Denver's 4-0, but they haven't been playing all that well. Oakland's been tough, especially at home. That offense has moved the ball fairly well. They can get after the passer, which we've seen uh, can cause major issues for Peyton Manning. So uh, I wouldn't be shocked if Oakland wins that game and sort of uh, shakes up what we've got in the AFC West there. Doug Farrar, after week five, at the end of the day. At the end of the day, after week five, the Falcons will be 5-0. and uh, They'll start to look like a one or two seed in the NFC, and Dan Quinn will be uh, in pole position for coach of the year. Their schedule, I mean, coming up at uh, versus Redskins, at Saints, at Titans, Buccaneers at home, at 49ers, 
Colts at home. I mean, their next real tough game, as it looks, is probably at Minnesota at the end of November. Then they get the Buccaneers again. They have the Panthers twice, but they have the Jaguars in the middle of that, and they have the Saints to uh, close the season. This looks like a 13-3 and team. Uh, that offense under Kyle Shanahan, Shanahan is incredibly dynamic. Uh, Quinn has got it, that defense playing above its head, and I don't think it's a fluke. You think they can make some noise in the playoffs? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That, 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 it, you know, people say, well, Kyle Shanahan didn't do anything in Cleveland. Well, yeah, look what he had as far as personnel. When you give Kyle Shanahan the right personnel at this point in time, he can make something happen, and I think that defense is good enough to go on the road and do things. And the thing about that offense is it's portable because it's based as much on the run game as anything else. And at the end of the day for me, after week four, Don Banks, I hope the three of us still have jobs. And that'll do it. Wrapping up week four of the NFL season for the Sports Illustrated Audible's football podcast. Thanks to Chris Burke. Thanks to Doug Farrar. Thanks to Don Banks for tweeting at us. And thank you for listening. Thanks for downloading. Go to iTunes to subscribe. And we'll catch you next week after week five of the NFL football season. Amazing. Week five. Can't believe it. Thank you.